Good evening. As I announced last Monday, we will go over the Haggadah of Pesach today, teach some secrets and explanation, deep explanation about what it means, why the, the Chachamim wrote it the way they wrote it. And uh, I don't believe we will finish today. Possibly maybe tomorrow I will finish in Brooklyn. Or maybe even if I don't finish it tomorrow, then we'll have to do one more lecture before Pesach about it. So it will be either two or three lectures. We'll see. Bezrat Hashem. As you know, this year Passover falls on Shabbat. The first night of the Seder is Friday night. And then the second night is Saturday night. When you live in exile, you have to do Yom Tov two days. Even if you're born out of, you know, even if you're born in Eretz Israel and uh, you moved to a different country, once you live over one year in another country, that's it. That's your new residence. So from then on, you're Ben Galut. You live in a Galut, in the exile. You have to celebrate everything double. And in Israel, it's only one day Yom Tov, the rest is Chol Moed, and then in the end of Pesach, one more Yom Tov. Here, two, two days Yom Tov, Chol Moed, and then two days Yom Tov, which is Shvi'i Pesach. Everything is doubled here. So that means over here, you have less days of Chol Moed, right? If you have two days Yom Tov, it takes away one day from Chol Moed, which in Israel people drive. They go on trips. Over here, it's Yom Tov, like Shabbat, almost like Shabbat. So, and the same thing the last two days. But the last two days, oh, the first day over here it's Yom Tov, the second day over here it's Yom Tov, in Israel it's already, the holiday is finished. So we're really taking only one day from Chol Moedir, because it's two days Yom Tov in the beginning, but in the end, it doesn't come on the expense of Chol Moed. it comes on a regular weekday. But in Israel people already go to work the next day, which here it's still Yom Tov. The most important thing, on next week, Thursday, not this coming Thursday, the one after, meaning the night before Lela Seder, Lel Pesach, the night before, we have, we have to do the B'dikat Chametz. Once the stars coming out, we take a candle, we make bracha al biur Chametz, and we check the house carefully. Of course, it's very hard to check with a candle, it's drip. You have to go under the beds, closets. Also, it's not so safe. So what you do is you start the first 20, 30 seconds. You check one room. You start with a candle. You have to have flashlight ready with batteries. Make sure there's batteries in advance. That will be enough for an hour or two to check the house. And you make a bracha. Once you make the bracha, you can talk. You can only talk about things that relates to checking for Hametz. Nothing else. If you have a phone call and someone wants to talk to you about business or some other things, you're not allowed to take the call, you're not allowed to stop. Because the bracha, it's including the entire checking. You cannot stop and go to do other things and an hour later continue. Because it cuts between the bracha, then you may, not, you may need another bracha. You come to Safek, maybe you're making the name of Hashem. And in vain, you're saying the same bracha twice for the same mitzvah. So after you put the, the flashlight on, you can put the candle off. 
If you have a big house, you can do it with your children. The children are older than bar mitzvah and they understand how to check. Then they can help you checking. So you can divide it between you and your son, you and your two sons. And you do it in advance. Not after the bracha you begin to give them instruction. Before you make the bracha, you say to your son, you check the entire upstairs. I check this entire floor. You check the entire basement. And if you have a car or two or three, whatever you have, you also have to include the cars in the blessing. By the time you finish the house, you still don't talk. You go out to the driveway or to the street. If you live in an apartment building, so you go to the car and you check very carefully in a trunk, in the chairs, in the back of the chairs. There's like a pouch there that people put things. And you check everything until you finish. If you have garbage bags, uh, garbage cans, big garbage cans, during the year some chametz is falling in. Most likely this chametz is not uh, deserved to be eaten by a dog. But you'll be surprised. You see the scrolls going into the garbage and eating it. So it's hard to tell. What do you do? Make sure the day, the last day before Pesach, you, you rinse your garbage cans very good, get rid of everything, and that's it. So this is just preparation for the night before. After you finish checking the, for the chametz, it's a good minhag to take for the wife to take 10 little pieces of bread, very small, less than one ounce, obviously, put them in tin foil, carefully wrap it with tin foil, and hide it in 10 different places in the house. But she has to write where she puts it, bedroom on the right side by the closet. Here. She has to write because sometimes it can happen that you don't find one and you go crazy for hours. You cannot find it. She has to write where, they put, where she put it. And then, then you know, you check the entire house by finding those 10 pieces. One other reason for it is because sometimes we already clean the house to, completely for chametz. And then we make brachal burur chametz to burn the chametz and we don't have chametz to burn. So the brachal look like a lie. So like this, you make sure to leave 10 pieces of chametz at least that for sure you're going to find something. After you finish the checking of the chametz the night, meaning the night before Lela Seder, you make this nosach in a, in a Agadot. In the beginning of Agadot, they have this special, it says, Kol Chamira Deika Birshuti. You can say it in your own language. English, Russian, Persian, any language you understand. All the chametz that I have in my position that I did not see and I did not burn, will be dismissed and will be like the sand in the ground. However, we have a problem. Why? Because you leave something for tomorrow breakfast. Because tomorrow in the morning you can still eat a little chametz. For the first four hours of the day, you're still eating chametz. So it's around 10 something, 10, almost 11. You just check in the calendars when it's soft zman achilat chametz. So therefore, if you leave some, uh, some people go to the bagel store, but it's going to be a huge line. If you have patience for it, fine. But some people leave a little bit chametz for the morning. They eat pita, bake, whatever it is. After you finish, you pick up the, the plastic you know, cover of the table. You take it out and you put it in the public garbage. You don't want to leave it in your own garbage because you may have chametz, breads, and all that. So you put it in the public garbage and that's it. You can put it in the box on the street, I don't know, next to the mailbox. When they see they come, they pick it up. You make it hefker, it's not mine. 
Then in the morning, we have to take all the chametz that we still have, include those 10 pieces from the night before. And if you have other chametz, some people, they keep the afrashat chala. When the wife bakes chala every year, they put it in the big garbage bags the entire year. When Pesach comes, they have a very big bag full of pieces of dough from all the year. And then they go where, where they announce they're going to be burning the chametz and burn it. If you live in a city like Manhattan and other places that they don't have a park that the city organized for the Jews to burn the chametz, then you can crush the chametz in a toilet and make sure you flush very good. If you have too much, you're going to have to do it a hundred times. But eventually that's what you have to do. If you don't have a way to burn it. To burn it is the best way. You don't have an option to burn then you throw it, like I say, in the toilet, you flush, and that's it. And after you go and burn the chametz, some people, they keep the lulav, they, you know, together with the adas and the arava from Sukkot, they take it and they burn it with the chametz. That's all kinds of Kabbalistic, mystical things. If you have it, still have it, you can take and burn it with the chametz. After you burn in the morning, now it's the most important bitul. Because now you do the final bitul, you say, Kol all the chametz that I have in my position, that I saw and I did not see, that I burned or I did not burn, will be dismissed like the sand on the ground. Right? In the first night, you say, all the chametz that I have in my position that I did not see. You don't say that I did not see and that I saw. Why? Because you, have, you left on purposely some chametz for the morning. But after the morning, when you got rid of the chametz permanently now, now you say all the chametz that I have in my position, and I, whether I saw it, whether I did not see it, will be dismissed and be like the sand on the ground. You say it three times, and you don't have to worry about anything. If you miss some chametz in the house, and you find it later in Yom Tov, so in that case... This chametz is considered like sand. You're not allowed to eat it, obviously, after Pesach. And you're not allowed to sell it to the goy. After midday, meaning around one o'clock, every chametz that you have in your position, and you forgot to sell it to the goy the night before, or the days before, you cannot anymore sell it to a goy. It has to be dismissed. So that's why don't wait for the last minute. If you have expensive chametz, Sell it to the goyim from now until Thursday next week. Don't wait for the last minute. Most rabbis will hand already the list to the goy the night before or the morning. You don't want to wait. My suggestion is, recommendation, don't force yourself to sell chametz to the goy. You can only do it, you should only do it if you really have expensive chametz, such as expensive whiskey bottles, expensive vodka, okay, you don't want to spill it to the garbage, then you sell it to the goy. But if you're not a person that store a lot of expensive bottles for, for a few pretzels and some bread and spaghetti, which will be 10 20 $30, it's not worth the risk. What do you mean risk? When, they, when a rabbi go and sell it to the goy, he doesn't sell him only your chametz. He sells him chametz of hundreds of people or maybe more. It can come up to $100,000 value or more. 
and the goy gives one dollar down payment, and the agreement is that when the goy bring a hundred thousand or two hundred or five hundred, depending on how much chametz there is in the list, when he brings the rest of the money, the chametz he can pick it up. That's the agreement. Now, since the goy doesn't bring it by the end of Pesach, then we actually buy now the chametz back from him because obviously he doesn't want to buy it. We don't cancel the deal retroactively. Because if we did, that means we own the chametz the entire week of Pesach. What's the point? The point is that the goy will own the chametz, even though he did not pay the money. Remember what we thought in previous lectures. Money doesn't buy. What buys is when you pull it. When you get it, it's yours already. So technically, technically, it really belongs to the goy. If the goy came to your house in the middle of Chola Moed and said, where is my spaghetti? Where is the bottle of whiskey I want to drink? You're not allowed to tell him, oh, come on, Tony. It wasn't re for real. You're not supposed to come. Then it becomes a scam. It's 100% real. If he comes and says, where is my chametz? Here in this room, there's a note. Sold to the goy. He can take whatever he wants. Even if he did not give you the rest of the money. Why? You still have time until the end of Pesach to bring the money. Until after Pesach. So that means he can take the, the, the chametz. Also make sure you don't sell the chametz that are absorbed in your plates to the goy. First of all, it's foolish. No goy will buy chametz that is in your plate, swollen inside, I mean, uh, swallowed inside, absorbed inside the plate. And second, if you'll do such thing, if, if you sell the entire plates, then, then you have to take all the plates to the mikveh. It's going to be a nightmare. You don't sell the plates at all. And you don't need to sell the chametz. Why? There's no chametz in the plates. And even if there's a drop here and there that is observed inside from before, anyway, you did cancellation of the chametz, you don't have to worry about it. It's no problem. If you find chametz on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to move it. You just put something on top of it. If it's a small piece, you take a cup or something, you put. If it's a big piece, you take a pot, you put, you cover it. Right when Yom Tov finish, Chol Moed, you pick it up, you take it out to the public garbage and get rid of it. If you find it on Chol Moed, you just take it and you get rid of it. So this is a little bit for us to understand. Don't forget to check your vacuum cleaner bag. Sometimes people clean, 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 and then there's a bag full of bread inside and pretzels and wafers and who knows what. Get rid of it. If you didn't get rid of it, not the end of the world. Remember, you made cancellation. If you didn't make cancellation and then you find chametz, you are in a very serious problem. Every second of Pesach, you broke three rules of the Torah. Lo yirae lecha chametz, lo yimatze lecha chametz, vetashbitu seor mibatechem. Two restrictions and one positive commandment. Multiply by seven days, eight days in exile, you do the math, how many millions of sins you just did. For a little piece of uh, wafer or something that it's one ounce already, it's already a problem. That's why the most important thing is, even more important than the cleaning, is to say it. It takes 20 seconds. And it saves you from millions of sins. This is what I always say, that ignorance is a killer. It's the biggest enemy of the human being. If you're ignorant, you just don't... You know how many secular people I heard over the years? 
that they take all the chametz and put it in the garage or in the basement and leave it like that. And it's in their position and they make millions of scenes every Pesach after cleaning the house for a month. They clean the house, they take everything apart, clean, they collect all the expensive chametz, put it in a garage. Don't sell it to a goy and they don't do cancellation because they never went to yeshiva. They don't know, they don't listen to lectures. They think if it's there, it's okay as long as we don't need it. But they don't know every second is in your property, it's a big problem. If you have an office, you have so to have to clean the office. If you leave the house going away for Pesach a few days before, you have to do the Bdikat Chametz before you leave without Bracha, because it's not the right time, but you have to do it before. If you own a house in Florida, in LA, I don't know where, overseas, you're not going to take a flight now all the way there to clean. So if somebody has the key, you should ask them to have the house very clean, get rid of all the chametz, and then you do cancellation on that property as well. If you don't have anyone to, to cancel the chametz, then, the, to clean the chametz and get rid of it, then you do the cancellation, and when you go to that property again, let's see, a few months later, first thing you do is you get rid of all the chametz, because you cannot eat it because you already dismissed it. Even if you have expensive bottle of whiskey, cannot be sold to a goy, nothing can happen with that. Why? Once you dismiss it, you dismiss it. So make sure, if you have a vacation home, not to leave the chametz that, are, that is expensive, because that chametz will be destroyed. You're not going to have someone to go and get rid of it or take it. And by the time you come after Pesach, you won't be able to enjoy this chametz. You should know the rule. The rule is, every chametz that stayed in your territory, you own it, and Pesach started, from that moment on, you can never enjoy this chametz ever again. Enjoy doesn't mean only to eat it. It means also to sell it, or to give it to your dog to eat. If you give it to your dog, and your dog enjoy it and he eats it, it saves you $2 of be giving him different food. So you enjoy from it. It saves you $2, saves you $3. That's, that gives you pleasure. It saves you money. You're not allowed. You have to destroy it. That's why make sure everything is done in the right time. Top. That's the introduction that we all need to know. I'm sure there are some things I did not mention. You have to learn. If you don't learn, you make mistakes. Okay, now. As far as the matzot of uh, Passover, there are two kinds of matzah. One is handmade shmura matzah, the round ones that you, that you see everywhere in supermarkets, which is very expensive. Sometimes you need a mortgage to buy a box, but that's reality. It's very difficult to make it. There's a lot of people who participate in making matzot. It's very hard work. They have to pay a lot of money to the workers because it's mamash avodat, like slaves in very high temperature, and it's, very, it's not easy. It's not an easy job, plus the supervision, plus, uh, you know, there's a lot of things. Plus, there's a lot of profit also. You do it once a year, it's, a, it's supposed to be enough for them to live the entire year. So this matzah shmura, handmade, is much more expensive than the machine one, the square one. Now, on the square one, on the machine one, there's also two kinds. There is shmura, Shmura matzah, meaning that the rabbi watched it from the time they cut the wheat until it became flour and until they actually baked it. 
The entire process was supervised, but it's made by machine. And there is regular matzot that it was not supervised. Why you need special supervision? Let me explain to you why. Because if you cut the wheat and a few drops, of, especially in hot places, it's humid, there's humidity in the bags, it becomes wet, it touches some of the wheat and it puffs, it begins to rise, especially if it's grinded, especially if they grinded already, already a flour. Flour by itself, it's not chametz. The problem with the flour, it's enough that one drop of water goes in when they pack it, or in a factory, or from a rain, or in a truck, when they deliver it, it can be one drop, one drop, that's it. And a, and a little bit from the flour got some water and started to rise, and there's a drop of chametz in a bag. Now here is the problem. If you use this flour before Pesach to do all kinds of things, right? You do certain things, you get rid of it, it's no problem. What happens if it stays in your property? It's in the closet because you thought, listen, flour, it's not, it's not chametz. I'm not baking anything with that. Let it stay, I'll use it after Pesach. If there was chametz in it, you're not allowed to enjoy from this chametz after Pesach. It's a problem. Now, when they supervise the wheat, the, it's, it's chumrah. Let me explain to you what it means. It's extra restriction. The reason they do it is that nothing in the process will go wrong. However, you shouldn't panic so much because when they bake the, ham, the matzot way before Pesach, if, God forbid, there was a little bit chametz mix in the dough, that's batel b'shishim. Before Pesach, if you have 60 times more against it, it dismissed it. But if you bake matzot on Pesach, meaning on Chol HaMoed, then it's never cancelled. One drop of chametz, you have a hundred pound of dough. One tiny drop was chametz, got mixed in the dough, you have to throw away the entire dough, burn it. Today, we don't have that risk so much because who bakes matzot in the middle of Chol HaMoed? Or on Yom Tov? Back in time, it wasn't like today you come to the supermarket, pick up nice boxes and put it in your Mercedes. It was a little bit different. People used to bake their own matzot quickly. Actually, on the day, on Yom Tov even, tak, 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 put it in an oven, in a fire. It's Yom Tov, it's allowed. And it came fresh, especially the Yemenite, their, their matzot looks like pita. You have to eat it quick, though. After that, it breaks your teeth. If, once it's fresh, it's delicious. Almost like pita bread. You wait an hour until it becomes hard, you cannot even bite it. Why? That's the way it is. Quickly. It's all done, and they ate it right on the spot. Today, nobody baked. So therefore, if it was baked before, then you don't have to worry so much. Why? Because it's batel b'shishim. However, Baruch Hashem, when it comes to Pesach, we don't want to take any risk, even a very unlikely risk. So we prefer to take matzot shmurot. Those who cannot afford, they don't have money, whatever the case, they can buy matzot shmurot mechona. Some big rabbis give a share to that, ashgacha. It's also not so cheap, because it's shmura. 
If you cannot afford that as well, then you buy regular matzot kasher lepesach. That it's not shmura. And those square ones, machine. Okay, that's it. Now, we're going to start to explain what we need in Lela Seder, what we need on the table. This is the things you have to prepare in advance. You have to prepare enough wine for all the people that will be in a Seder for two nights. So if it's four cups of wine, the minimum amount the cup should be 3.2 ounces. According to the Ashkenazim and the Chazonish, five ounces. It's extra humra. If you go by Chazonish and everything you do, fine. You want it can be machmir, it will be five, five ounces. But it cannot be less than 3.2 ounces, 86 grams of liquid. Better pure wine without sugar. Some people, it's very difficult for them to drink four cups of pure wine, dry wine, without sugar, four in one night. Can get, can get them dizzy, especially when we didn't eat, and now we're going, we're waiting for, to eat the food after. So you may have it, you know. So you can mix it with grape juice, half and half, or one third and two third. Okay, as 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 you can. Four cups for the first night, four cups for the second. So eight cups. Choose small cups. Make sure you buy small glass cups, three point two ounces and up, not less. So multiply by how many people you have in your seder. That's one thing you have to prepare in advance. Grape juice and wine. Then you have to have enough ladders for all the people. We make it a lot easier. We already prepare the ladders after we wash and check it for worms and bugs. After all of that, we prepare them in bags. One ounce of ladders in each small bag. Those little plastic bags. We put inside, we wait. We have a scale, we put one ounce, it's 28 gram. We prepare them in advance. How many bags of uh, ladders we're going to need in a night? We have to eat maror, so that's one ounce. Then we have to take the, the, the ladders and put it in a sandwich, like Hillel. That's another ounce right there, right? So, also... So also for the second night, so you have to prepare enough bags of ladders in advance for all the people. Now you need eggs, hard-boiled eggs, about half for each person every night. So full egg for two nights. You cut it to halves, you put them on the table. Soon I will explain the order. And you have carpas, which is celery. You check it for worms, you take the hard piece of the salary, celery, you clean it with brush, with water, with soap, whatever you clean it, that it doesn't have any worms. Pieces that are smaller than one ounce, not bigger, smaller, for the first night and for the second night. And Chazeret, Sfaradim also put ladders. The Ashkenazim have a horseradish that they use. If you take one bite from it, fire comes out of your nose for two weeks. They gotta be ready for it, especially when they put the extra, what's the name, rain on it. But, this, okay, so this is it. No, that's actually the maror that they use, right? The maror, okay. Now, we have to have three matzot on the main round plate. We have a special kehara of Pesach. 
So all these things that I say, you put the matzot on top. If this is the clock, right? Look at the clock now. Where the, where the 12, right, on the top, that's where you put the three matzot. There are different minagim, by the Ashkenazim could be different. This is based on the Ari, okay. On the right side, you put the zroa. Little piece from the, from the chicken, they give it in a store. They sell it, little thing, they ask them in a store for lamb. They put it over there. You know, and the middle, we put the maror in the middle. Then we put the haroset. The almonds, the nuts, with wine, mix, haroset. You either buy it or you make it. Then we put the chazeret, that's in the bottom. Right? And then we put the karpas. Karpas is where eight, eight o'clock. That's where you put the karpas. You see on the plates, the plates has marks in it. Karpas is the salary. Put a little bowl with pieces of salary to depend how many people you have in the table. And then the eggs, you put on top of it, which is around the 10. So you have the matzot at 12, 12 o'clock. You have the zroa at 2 o'clock. You have the haroset at 4 o'clock. You have the chazeret at 6 o'clock. You have the karpas at 8 o'clock. You have the eggs. Karpas is the salary. So that's at 8 o'clock. You have the eggs at 10 o'clock. And you get back to the matzot, which is on 12. So that's the order. And in the middle, the maror. Maror, the sfaradim, they use letters. But don't use the sweet part of the letters on top. The bottom, the hard piece where the root is, is very bitter. If you eat the top, kind of delicious. Far away from being bitter. So you gotta take, if you can, of course, the bottom. Cut the bottoms, that should, you should use it as maror. You have to check the letters very carefully for worms. Clean it, put it 20 minutes in a, with water, with soap. After that, take a brush. When you have flowing water on it, you just clean it very good, then you check it in the sun, make sure there's no flies, no bugs. You have to take them apart, because if you keep them as one piece, in between there's always flies. Not always, but many times you're gonna find little black flies that died inside. They got caught inside. You don't pay attention, you eat one of them, it's five scenes, six scenes from the Torah sometimes. You gotta be careful. How the night of the Seder begins. The night of the Seder begins, remember, every person will drink four cups of wine. I'm going to go by the order of it. Like this, we can understand what's going on. Now, in the night of the Seder, we have four mitzvot. Four main mitzvot. Two of them from the Torah, and two of them the Rabbanan. Two from the, directly from the Torah, and two rabbinical mitzvot. The most important, obviously, is the story of the Exodus of Egypt. To talk as much as possible about the miracle that Hashem did to us, that's the whole Agadah is about. We have an obligation, you have to make sure you focus on your children, not on a guest. The guests are important. The children tonight is your obligation. The guests are not your obligation. The children are your obligation. So you make sure that your children sleep in the afternoon because otherwise they will all fall asleep by 10 before you even get to the main parts of the Agadah, they'll all be snoring. Make sure they sleep on Friday 
afternoon for at least two, three hours. Like this, they are awake. They can stay until midnight and more. And you have the story of the Vret Torah of the Exodus of Egypt. And you have the obligation to eat matzah. We eat more than 56 grams of matzah, two ounces, which is kabeitza. And then we have the afikoman in the end of the seder. So we have to eat matzah. Soon we're going to explain how we eat the matzah. And then we have two mitzvot de rabanan. Four cups of wine is the rabanan. Four cups of wine. And eating the maror is also the rabanan. So remember, two mitzvot from the Torah is eating the matzah and talking divrei Torah about the exodus of Egypt. They are both from the Torah. Four cups of wine is the rabanan, rabbinical. And eating the maror, the bitter maror, it's also the rabanan. In the beginning of the seder, you put, remember one thing now, you put on the table one main round big bowl with all the simanim that I just said. Now, each one of the guests, you give him three matzot. If you serve all your guests matzah shmura around once, so you put three for each guest. Make sure they're complete. If they have cracks, it's okay. In the middle, sometimes they have cracks. But it has to be round. Meaning, if it cuts like V out of it, it's not good. You want the matzot to be completed, at least for those who are bar mitzvah and older. Sometimes there's some years that the, the matzot comes almost all broken. So not always you're going to have enough. So you start from the older people. The people that are older than the, than the bar mitzvah. Okay? Then the little kids, you can give them either matzah mechona or shmura with some more cracks, no problem. So the beginning of the, of the seder is when everyone sings together. Kadesh Urchatz, Karpas Yachatz, Magid Rachza Motzi Matza, Maror Korech, Shulchan Orech, Tzafun Barech, Halel Nirza. What's all these words? That's actually the entire order of the night. Kadesh, making Kiddush. That's how we start, making Kiddush for Yom Tov. With the wine, you stand, you hold the Kiddush, just like Shabbat, just like regular holidays. You make Kiddush. Right after that, you make Netila. But this netila, it's not for the bread. The bread is later on. This netila is because you have to take the karpas, which is the piece of salary, and put it in salt water. You have to have a, a bowl of salt water on a table or vinegar. All right, make sure the vinegar is not wheat vinegar. Right? Some vinegar are kosher for Pesach, some are not. You have to be careful. So the people take the small piece of karpas, only one, you're not allowed to eat more than one ounce, because then you have already machloket if you have to say bracha achrona on it. Because you're about to wash for, for the things. You have a doubt. You don't know. So you take a little piece, less than one ounce. You put it in a salt water or in a vinegar. Because you dip your hands inside the liquid, you need first to wash your hands. If your hands is impure, it comes with contact with the liquid. It's not good. So we make netila without bracha you don't make bracha. So that's rachatz. You wash your hands. Karpas, it's the celery. Yachatz, we take the middle matzah and cut it in the middle to two halves. Okay? So that's yachatz, meaning cutting in the middle. Then magid, we begin to tell the story of the Agada. Magid, 
Rachza again. We wash again the hands. But this time with bracha. Motzi. Hamotzi lechem in haaretz. And asher kiddushanu bimitzvotah vetzivanu al achilat matzah. So the next one is matzah. Motzi, matzah. Right? Then maror. After we eat the matzah, the matzot, which I'm going to explain how to do it. After that, we have to eat the, the maror. Okay, so now we take the maror from the bags, we dip it very little bit in the haroset, and we eat the maror. So now maror. Then korech. We have to take the matzah, cut it, make a sandwich out of it with the maror, the other bag of maror. Make a sandwich like Ilel Zaken used to do. So that's called korech. Then shulchan orech, meaning the food. I give you a wise advice. Make sure you serve very little food. Don't give a Bukharian meal, please. Seven different courses of food, because you're going to mess up the whole night. Only very little. One dish, meat or chicken, and that's it. Faradim, they eat rice, so rice. Ashkenazim, potatoes, whatever they eat. Well, one, that's it. Why? Don't forget we already have full from all the matzah and the maror we ate. But we have to stay hungry to the end of the night of the seder when we eat the afikoman, which is another matzah, another one ounce, some say two ounces of matzah, meaning a whole round full one. So if you stuff yourself with all the delicious food, this and chicken and meat and rice and potatoes and who knows what, by the time you come to the afikoman around midnight, around 1 a.m., you have to eat now, you already want to vomit from so much food. And that doesn't count like eating the afikoman, because when a person is stuffed and is not hungry, he cannot eat anything, and he is forcing himself to eat, it doesn't count like eating. And some poskim say that the main achila of matzah is really the last one. Why? Because it leaves the taste of the matzah for the rest of the night. After that, you don't eat and drink anything. If you're very thirsty, you can drink water. Why? Because you want to leave the taste of the matzah when you go to sleep. And that's how we finish the seder. But you have to get to this afikoman when you're hungry or partially hungry. If you're stuffed, you did not fulfill the mitzvah. That's why a lot of people, they make this mistake out of ignorance. Or the ladies, they try to improve the guests with the skills, the great skills of cooking. But they actually make all of them not fulfill this mitzvah of a fikoman. So, don't worry. Tomorrow morning there's another meal after shul. Bring all your delicious Bukharian food. Let them eat until 5, 5 p.m. No problem. But, but, make sure that you do it correctly. That's more important than delicious food and stuff yourself. Tov. So after Shulchan Orech, we have Tzafun. What's Tzafun? Tzafun means to hide. We take a piece of the Afikoman and we hide it. This is a, there's a custom that the kids look for the Afikoman. They walk around, they look for it. You give them a gift if someone finds it. You can tell them in advance what's going to be their gift. No problem. Then you have Barech, which is Birkat Amazon. And then we say the Halel on the third cup, right? We have the third cup. After we did Birkat Amazon, we have the third cup. Then we have 
נרצה, meaning we finish the סדר. All together, it's going to be four cups, as I'm going to tell you the order of how we do it. Now, as you can see, I'm not going into the secrets and the divrei Torah of the Agada yet. First, I want you to know all the technical rules, that you do it correctly. After that, we're going to go and explain all the words and the secrets around them. But first, let's understand the technical. So how do you start? The first cup. You have to make couples, meaning if you have uh, 10 people, so five couples. Each one pour for another, man for man, woman for woman. It can be husband and wife. So if Reuven and Shimon sit one next to another, Reuven pours for Shimon, Shimon pours for Reuven. Why? Because the entire night is to feel a king. King doesn't pour for himself. There's always a servant pour for him. So you pour for him, he pours for you. Okay, now, all the cups of wine that we drink, we must drink in Heseva. We have to lean on the left side in such a way like the kings used to be. Not on the right side, because then you choke, right? Because then you're going to go into the pipe of the air. Into the left side, like this, you cannot choke. You lean on a pillow, or you make chair, chair with arms that you can lean or you turn the chair to the side like this and lean like this. Not like some people I see in my table when they eat, they go like this in the air. That's torture. That's not, that's how, not how king eats. You have to lean on something. If you don't have uh, arms to the chair or you don't have a way to lean on anything, you can turn to the side and lean on a table, right? Make sure you put a big plate for the guests that they can put under when they drink the wine because otherwise it's going to drip all over their clothes, telling you from experience. Also, when they eat the matzah, it's going to be crumbs all over their clothing. So like this, that protects them when they eat. All the four cups of wine have to, do leaning, have to be leaning to the left. All the matzah we eat also have to be leaning to the left. The maror that we eat, the bitter maror, we don't lean to the left. Only the matzot and the wine. We have to lean to the left when we eat. The best way is when you have to drink the wine in one shot, not little by little, in one shot, or at least most of it in one shot. If it's hard for you, then two sips, but not like you drink tea. In one shot. And then the matzot have to be eaten within four minutes. If it's hard for you, within six minutes. Some say seven minutes, and there is one opinion even 11 minutes. There's arguments, how long does it take to fill the stomach to a way that the stomach is not hungry anymore? So the calculation is one ounce of matzah if you eat it in 10 hours, it's never going to fill you up, right? One bite, little tiny bite, wait an, half an hour, take a little bite, another half an hour, take a little bite, another half an hour. Obviously, you'll never be full. So if you eat it fast enough and the right amount, one ounce within four minutes will already make your stomach ease. And if you were hungry before, you can relax now. Some say uh, even six minutes, it was, it's good. 
don't go into machloket aposkin as a doubt already. Try to do it fast. On the side, no place to laugh. Purely the matzah, nothing on it. Don't put any jelly on it or anything to make it more delicious. You have to feel the actual taste of the matzah. So, this is explanation how to drink the wine, how to eat the matzah. Now, the first thing, when we do Kiddush, for instance, this night, then this, this Pesach will be Kiddush and Shabbat and Yom Tov. So also Shabbat, don't forget. Now, what's the difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov? On Shabbat, you're not allowed to turn on the hot water and the faucet. Yom Tov, you can. On Shabbat, you're not allowed to carry anything on the street. Unless there is a special roof in the town or in the area, okay. But you don't, you don't take from your, street to the, from your house to the street and from the street to your house. Anything, not even a tiny thing. You cannot do that. But on Yom Tov, you can carry. If you need it for Yom Tov, you can carry with you. So there are some minor changes between Shabbat and Yom Tov. 98% is the same. All the restrictions of Shabbat are the restrictions of Yom Tov. You cannot write, you cannot use electronic, you cannot uh, sew, you cannot uh, do laundry. There's a lot of things you cannot do. The two main differences between Shabbat and Yom Tov is that on Shabbat you cannot carry anything in a public territory or from the private territory to the public territory or from the public territory into the private territory. You're not allowed. And in Yom Tov you're allowed. And on Shabbat, you're not allowed to turn on the hot water, which you can do on Yom Tov. Also on Shabbat, you're not allowed to take from existing fire into and turn on something else. You're not allowed. You cannot touch fire at all on Shabbat. In Yom Tov, if you prepare fire from before Yom Tov, you can take from that fire and light everything else you need. That's why people, some people smoke on Yom Tov. Why? Because they have an existing candle already before. So they take from the candle, and that's what's going on. There's one more change between Shabbat and Yom Tov that most people are not aware of. It's the laws of Borer. What's Borer? On Shabbat, you're not allowed to take the bed out of the good. If you have a mixture, mixture, let's say Israeli salad, and they put uh, tomatoes, they put cucumbers, and they put onions chopped into the salad. Now you hate onions, so you want to pick the onions out. You took a bowl into your bowl, and you don't want the onions, so you want to take the onions out. You're not allowed on Shabbat. If you do it on Shabbat, it's like lighting fire. Same restriction. You're not allowed to take the bed out of the mixture. Bed doesn't mean it's really bad. Some people love onion. It's delicious. For you, it's bad. For other people, it's no problem. For you, it's bad. That's why you're not allowed to take it out. Why? Because you're fixing the mixture the way you want it. You're not allowed on Shabbat. On Yom Tov, you're allowed. The laws by Yom Tov is different than Shabbat. Shabbat, you can take the good out of the bad in a mixture, but you cannot take the bad out of the good. Yom Tov... You're allowed to take the minority out of the majority, regardless good and bad. The little, you're allowed to take out. Why? Because you don't want extra work on Yom Tov. So if, for instance, you have almonds and pistachios are mixed, and 20% of the mixture is almonds, 80% pistachios, 
and you don't like one of the two. You want to separate them. On, on Shabbat, you will be able to take only what you like to eat out, not what you don't want. But on Yom Tov, you can take the little from the, from the majority, meaning if you have 20% almonds, and you don't like the almonds, you can take it out. Why? Because it's 20%. You can take the 20% out, but you cannot take the 80% out. So you see right away, there is another difference between Yom Tov and Shabbat. So let's move on. So you do Kiddush, Yom HaShishi Vayechulu HaShamayim Vaharetz. That's already the first cup of wine of the Agadah. The first cup. So everyone has to have in mind that the person who makes the Kiddush does for everyone. Therefore, they don't answer Baruch Hu, Baruch Shmo. They only answer Amen in the end. After you finish the Kiddush, you sit down. You must go Haseva, so prepare a plate that they won't drip on you. You go like this, if that's the wine. When you do the Kiddush, you stand. After you finish all the brachot, include Shecheyanu, you sit down, you're not allowed to talk. You go like this to the side, and you, do, and you have a plate under, and you drink in one shot. After that, you rinse the cup. Some places they bring a bowl with water, and they dip the, 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 the cup in and clean it. Some people just get up to the sink, they rinse it, and getting ready for the second cup, which we're getting there soon. How do you do the Kiddush? The first night, that is Shabbat, we do Yom HaShishi Vayichulu HaShamayim, as usual, right? And then we do, after, after we finish Asher Barai Elokim La'asot, we don't say Savri Maranan yet, because it's also Yom Tov. So we say, Ele Mu'adei Hashem. We have it in a Sidur of Pesach, or Sidur Leshlosha Regalim. Mikra'e Kodesh Asher Tikra'u Otam Bemo'adam. Vayedaber Moshe Et Mo'adei Hashem El Bnei Israel. Savri Maranan, everybody answer Lechaim. Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Priya Gefen. Then you have another bracha. Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Am, Verommanu Mikol Lashon, Vekidashanu Mitzvotav, Atiten Lanu Hashem Elokeinu Be'ahavah, Pay attention. So far it's a regular Kiddush. But now it's changing. Shabbatot Limnucha, Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat's to rest, Umoadim Lesimcha, and holidays to rejoice. So you see, it's a double, double terms. Not only Shabbat, Shabbatot Limnucha, Umoadim Lesimcha, Chagim Uzmanim Lesasson. See, this is different than every Shabbat. At Yom HaShabbat Azeh, this, this Shabbat day, Vet Yom Chag HaMatzot Azeh, and the holiday of this holiday of the Matzot. יום טוב מקרא קודש הזה, זמן חירותנו באהבה. זמן חירותנו, meaning the time of our freedom, with love. זכר ליציאת מצרים, the memory of the exodus of Egypt. קיבלנו בחרת ואותנו קידשת, because you chose us from all the nations, and sanctify us from all the nations, and you gave us Shabbatot and holidays with love, and willingly, with happiness, Enjoy. Baruch Ata Hashem. Bless you, God. Mekadesh HaShabbat ve'Yisrael ve'Azemanim. On a regular Shabbat, we say Mekadesh HaShabbat. That's it. That's sanctify Shabbat. Now we're going to say Mekadesh HaShabbat, Yisrael ve'Azemanim. Three things. 
If you don't see Israel, that's when you have a problem. You didn't do Kiddush for Yom Tov. Now, what will happen Motzei Shabbos? The second night of the Seder, we have to do Kiddush again. Right? On the first night, after you say Mekadesh Yisrael Vazmanim, you still don't drink from the wine. You have to say Shechianu Vekiimanu Vigianu Vazmanazeh. The minag of the Sfaradim, that the women that light the candle of Shabbat and Yom Tov, they don't make Shechianu when they light the candle. They have in mind, in this Shechianu, also for the candle of, of the Yom Tov. You understand? So now, even if you wear new clothing, anything that you bought new for the holiday, you have to have in mind, in this Shechianu, everything is included. Your new suit, your new shirt, your new tie, your new everything. Plus the time of the holiday, which comes once a year, so you say Shechianu. Plus for the candles, everything in this Shechianu. What happened the second night? The second night, we have a unique situation. On one hand, we have to do Kiddush for Yom Tov. On the other hand, we have to do Avdalah. Because we have a difference between the holiness of Shabbat to the holiness of Yom Tov. It's not equal. So therefore, we're going down on the holiness. If Shabbat, for instance, is 100 and Yom Tov, let's say, it's 80 or 90, so that's a reduction from 100 to 90. So what are we going to do? We have to do Avdalah. But at the same time, we have to do Kiddush for Yom Tov. So what do we do? This is how we do. We do everything as usual. Mekadesh, Shabbat, Israel, Vazmanim. Now we have to say, Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Boreh Meoreh Aesh. So we have to prepare a special candle from before. And we actually do Meoreh Aesh in the middle of Kiddush. And then we have to do another bracha. Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Amavdil Ben Kodesh Lechol Uven Or Lechoshech Uven Yisrael Amim Uven Yom Ashvi Lechoshech Yemei Hamaseh Ben Kedushat Shabbat Lekedushat Yom Tov Yivdalta you separated between the holiness of Shabbat to the holiness of Yom Tov. You make Shabbat as a holy day from the, from the seven days of the week. And you sanctify the nation of Israel with your holiness. Baruch Ata Hashem, Hamavdil Ben Kodesh LeKodesh. Not Ben Kodesh LeChol. Because you're going from one holiness to another holiness. It's not a regular avdalah, as you can see. And you don't need besamim. You don't need perfume or anything like that. Why? Because on Motzei Shabbat, Saturday night, the extra soul that comes to you leaves. So the soul that remains is very depressed, down. So by smelling something good, it makes the soul stronger and happier. Smell is one of the food of the soul, in case you didn't know. Seeing things, smelling things, hearing things. That's why when a person hears music, it makes him very happy or very sad. Just by listening to it. Why? It has a direct impact on the soul. Same thing when you see colors. See beautiful colors, it makes you very happy. Today in cells, they already know how to paint the rooms of the cells. When you come with customer, they, they paint it in a way that will make a person very relaxed, in a good mood. It's unbelievable. It's an exact science. Why? To increase sales. Okay? And of course, they make sure that they have the right music, 
for certain restaurants, they need this music, for the bars, they need this music. They match the music to the atmosphere and what they try to get from the people. It's very interesting. So you see, this is, this is all spiritual things. So over here, it's, you don't need perfume because we're going from holy to holy, so the soul is still very happy. Okay. Then we say Shecheyanu and we're done. Now we're done with the Kiddush. Usually we go now to do Netila for bread. But now we don't touch the bread yet. We don't eat the Matzah yet. So what do we have to do? We have to eat the Karpas, which is a little piece of celery, less than one ounce. So we have to do Netila without Bracha. Why? Because we're not doing Bracha for bread. We're doing it for the Karpas. So we wash the hands. And there are two ways to do it. One way is all the guests in the table, each one say the brachot for himself. I found it more helpful that one person say the bracha for everyone, they just answer amen and they eat. Why? Because the one person has in mind to say bracha for everyone and they have in mind to be yotze in this bracha, to be included in this bracha. Then they don't say baruch hu baruch shmo, they just answer amen and they eat with, together with him. So over here, he makes a bracha, bore pri adama. Right? Because you eat the karpas, celery is growing on the ground. So you say, bore pri adama. After that, you're going into magid. Maze magid, you begin to tell the story of the Agadah. Now, there are two parts of the night. One part before the meal, and one part after the meal. Some of the guests, they didn't eat all day, they're hungry, you don't want to torture them waiting so long. When people are hungry, they don't focus so much. So it's better first to say, just to read the Agadah until you get to the washing for the Matzah, make a mozi, do everything that's necessary, serve the meal, eat, and then now in the meal, you can say a lot of divrei Torah. It's good you tell your children or the guests, each one to prepare on certain parts of the Agadah what to say. Remember, the more you say, the more holier your night is. The more holier it's going to be, the holier your entire ear is going to be. Why we call it Lela Seder, the night of the Seder, order. Seder means order, because it makes order in your entire life. Everybody knows that the most important thing in life is timing. Everything in life is ti right timing or wrong timing, right? If you get something in the right timing, it's perfect. You get it in the wrong timing, it's worthless. Sometimes it can make damage. So you need it in the right timing. You want Hashem to time everything to you exactly the way it should be. It's based on how you behave this night. There's no time for jokes. I'm not talking about secular people that will turn the television on and will do all kinds of other scenes of the Yom Tov of Shabbat. That's for them is total waste of time. There's no night, there's no holiness, there's no nothing. Like Goim, Chalelei Shabbat. I'm not talking about this kind of people. This kind of people live in the darkness, in illusion. Hashem will help them one day to do tshuva. I'm talking religious people now. People who keep mitzvot, people that keep Shabbat. Sometimes you forget, you have guests that like to tell jokes and talk about politics and sport and the rest of the nonsense of this world. And it can mess up the entire table and the entire night. 
So you make sure you tell your guests in advance, tonight is not a regular day. We're not meeting for dinner of Tuesday night. Tonight is a very holy night. We don't speak about anything besides the exodus of Egypt. Only mitzvot. So, like this, everybody speaks divrei Torah. It's fantastic atmosphere. So, I'm skipping right now all the secrets of the Agadah, which we'll do after I'm going to finish first to explain all the technical part of the Agadah. And after that, I'm going to go into the details of what to say and how to say and why to say, which is the most important thing. But if you don't know the technical order, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. So remember, we're done with the Karpas. We begin now the story of the Exodus of Egypt. So how does it start? It starts like that. Remember, we have three matzot, whether they're square, whether they're round. Each guest has three. You pick up the matzah of the middle. You take the middle matzah, you hold it in your hand, and everybody say together three times. There are three versions how to say it. Halachmania, this bread of shame, of poverty. That our parents ate in the land of Egypt. Every person that is poor is welcome to join us to eat. The night of Pesach, you have to make sure you have guests in your table. But not rich guests. Make sure at least one of the guests is a poor guy. Or Bachur Yeshiva that doesn't have money or family that does not have money. The idea of Pesach is to have poor guests in your table. That's why we start the Seder with this. This bread of poverty that our parents ate in the land of Egypt, every poor is welcome to eat. Stranger, not stranger, the door is open. Please join us. Every needy is welcome to come celebrate Pesach with us. Now we are here, meaning in exile. This was written in exile. When we were not in the land of Israel, after the destruction of the temple, we were all living in exile. So the Chachamim wrote, this year we are here. We are in America, same thing, we are in exile. I have news for you. Even people that live in Israel, they are partially in exile as well. Why? The idea of exile is that we don't have Bet HaMikdash, we don't have the temple, and the connection to Hashem is more limited than we have with Hashem when the, when the temple is built. On top of it, we have a wicked government that hate Torah, hate religion, hate God, and hate religious people. So they are similar to the Romans and to the Greeks of the old days. Maybe physically they're not cruel like them to murder people and chop them to pieces, but mentally they're just as bad. They do everything they can to destroy Torah and Yeshivot, to take the Bachurim from the Yeshivot into the army, they do a lot of horrible things against religion. So that's not freedom. That's exile. That your own people, it's even worse. By the Romans, you know what to expect. But when your own cousin sitting in a government, or father and daughter, for instance, the minister of defense of Israel, Lieberman, Russian Jew, eat porks, eat shrimps, wants to marry Jews with Goim, wants to marry everybody with everybody. Wants people to break Shabbat, wants transportation on Shabbat, wants all the yeshivot to be closed, and all the Bachure yeshivot to go to the army, and want to shut the religion. And his daughter, Haredit, Baalat Shuvah. 
doesn't even care about his own daughter. Same thing Benjamin Netanyahu. He's not as bad as him. He's not so much anti-religion. He's not religious. And his daughter from his first marriage, also ultra-Orthodox, Haredit, doesn't care about her. And many other people that sit in the government, some of their children are in yeshivot, and they do everything they can to destroy the Torah. So you see, they don't care about anyone. So that's exile. So we are not out of exile yet. Whether we are here, whether we are in Israel, we don't have the control of the Torah, and Mashiach didn't come, and we don't have the temple. So the Torah is in exile, and the people that keep the Torah are in exile as well. So that's why we say, this year we are here. Next year in the land of Israel. When Mashiach comes, he will bring us all back to Israel. This year we are here slaves. Next year we will be on the land of Israel in freedom. So meaning, every person has to look at himself as he, in Egypt as a slave. This year we are still in Egypt, physically and mentally. But next year, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, we will come to freedom and we go to the Holy Land of Israel and we'll be free. So there are three ways to say it. One is Halachmania. Remember, we're holding the middle matzah. We're holding it up like this. And we say Halachmania. We finish the whole paragraph. Then we say again, Kehalachmania. And then we say again, Helachmania. There are three different versions how to say it. We say those three times and we're done. Now what's the next thing? We pour the second cup. Remember, we finished the first cup in a Kiddush. Everyone drank his own cup, sitting, leaning on the left side. So now you wash the, 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 the cup and you refill it. Everyone full fill to his friend. Reuven to Shimon, Shimon to Reuven. Husband to wife, wife to husband. What do you do if some of your guests are not Shomer Shabbat? It's a big problem. If you have two not Shomrei Shabbat, you put them one next to each other to pour for each other. Because the wine that they touch become impure. So you cannot drink it. They anyway touch it, and they're going to drink it anyway. So at least you put two Mechalele Shabbat together. But there's a much better solution. You make sure your wine, at least by the section where the Mechalele Shabbat sit, if you have a long table, because wine that is not pasteurized or not cooked, is higher level spiritually than a wine that is cooked, mevushal. But what can we do that many of our brothers and our sisters are like goyim, mechalel Shabbat? If they touch wine, if there's a bottle of wine, if the bottle is sealed, meaning it was not open yet, it has the ring around it, doesn't matter who touch it, Jew, non-Jew, goy, doesn't matter. Why? Because it's still sealed. Once the seal is open, the cup is out, if you just, the bottle is standing, if you just touch it like this, without moving it, without shaking it, it's also no problem. But if you pick it up and you shake it, or you pour from it, the entire bottle has to go to the garbage. And what you pour also to the cup. So to prevent such a thing, you put on the table wine that is either pasteurized or mevushal. It says on the wine, on the bottle, you can see by the ashgacha, it's a mevushal. Mevushal means cooked. What's the difference between pasteurized and cooked? Cooked is in a hundred degrees Celsius when, the, when it's boiling, bubbling. That's a hundred degrees Celsius, meaning it's boiling now. 
pasteurizing meaning 80 degrees Celsius. It's not fully boiling, but almost. It's already killing all the germs. That's called pasteurizing. You wonder how you have sometimes a bottle of wine for a long, long time in your, in your, in your closet or, or grape juice. Right here, there is one. So, do you, do, you, do you ever wonder to yourself, how can it be that you have a grape juice that is six months on the shelf? And uh, how? If you squeeze grapes and close it and put it in a fridge, after two, three days, it's spoiled. You open it, it's like seltzer. Two or three days. I, I did it a few times. Tried. After a day or two, in a fridge, it spoils. How can you have grape juice in the closet for years? Why? Because once they cook it and pasteurize it, it kills all the germs inside. Then it can stay for a long, long time. So anything that is pasteurized or cooked, it's not a problem if a mechalel Shabbat touch it. By the Hasidim, they are extra strict. If the wine is not mevushal, they don't drink it even if Mechalel Shabbat looked at it. Not only shaked it, just looked at it, they don't want it. That's why they get the wine in boxes that are covered. Or before they bring it from the kitchen, they wrap it with tin foil. Why? They don't want Why? Because the eye not only receives, the eye also sends. Like Ainara. The eyes is a two way direction. So they don't want the impurity of this person to go on their battle. It's extra humra. It's not required by halacha, but the halacha is that if the wine is not cooked, make sure nobody shakes it that is not, not Shomer Shabbat. If you have people in a family that are not Shomer Shabbat, get Mevushal wine. All grape juice automatically are pasteurized already. So on grape juice, you don't have to worry because in a factory, they already boil it to kill all the germs, that it can stay on the shelf. So with grape juice, you don't have a problem. But with wine, you have to make sure it's mevushal, the night of the seder. We learn just another thing now. So after we pour the second cup, we put, we put the, we take, we take the, round plate with all the simanim on it, we take it out. Why we take it out? We take it out of the table. Why? To confuse the children. The children suppose by now, not, not always it's working, unfortunately. If it will work, you'll be lucky. The children now supposed to ask, hey, Abba, why we take the plates? We didn't even start eating yet. Why we took out the matzot and the food? They're supposed to ask. And this is where we begin to sing the song, the famous song, Man Ishtana Alayla Azeh. Man Ishtana Alayla Azeh Mikol Alelot. We sing that song right here. Later, probably not today, tomorrow, watch my lecture that I'm going to give tomorrow in Brooklyn. I will explain every paragraph of the Agada. What is the meaning of this song? What, what, why we sing it here? What's the secrets of it? A lot of secrets that you'll be able to use for your guests for the next few years, not only for this year. You're going to have enough material for the two nights plus for future to come. Baruch Hashem by us, every year we have new and new and new things every year, for many years. We don't repeat the same thing every year. Why? There's so much to say. So we divide it a little bit now, a little bit the next night, a little bit next year, a little bit next year. You have plenty of treasure here 
to know what to say. Okay, so I'm skipping all the parts that we read, Avadim Ainu Leparo. After we took out the plates and we sang Manishtana, after Manishtana, we bring back the plate into the table. The plate has to be on the table, next to the person that runs the seder, the owner of the house or the rabbi. Okay. Put the plates back and beginning to say the Haggadah. When we say the Divrei Torah of the Haggadah, we have to do it when the matzah is not covered. Is not covered. Only when we pick up the wine, we cover the matzah. Just like in the Kiddush that we do on Friday night, there's some kind of a competition between the wine and the bread. Why? Why you make the Kiddush on wine? What's with me? The bread. The bread. Why? I'm, I'm less than the wine. I'm the foundation of the food. And the wine says, I'm the king of all the drinks. So not to create competition between, you cover the matzah. It's all symbolic. And we drink now from the wine. So every time we pick up the wine, it's when the matzah is covered. We're done with the wine, the matzah can be revealed. So I'm skipping some of the explanations that we will say tomorrow. And until we get to Baruch Shomer Aftachato Israel, V'acharechen Yetzu Berechush Gadol. Period. Now we cover the matzot. And we hold the cup. Remember, we are now in a second cup. First cup we drank in a Kiddush. This cup we poured and it's still full. Every person on the table hold the cup. Right? And we begin to sing. Remember this song? You can sing it like this. I'm sure the Ashkenazim have their own tunes. It doesn't matter so much the tune. What matters is that now we sing about what saves our fathers and us, which I'm going to explain tomorrow. After that, we talk about Tseul Mad. We put the cup down after Vishamda and we begin. Tseul Mad ma bikesh Lavan Arami, what Lavan tried to do to us. And then we went to Mitzrayim, and then we became a nation there, and we grew up. And then the, the Egyptians tortured us, and they gave us hard work, and we screamed to Hashem, and, uh, and uh, Hashem heard our screaming. All these paragraphs come one after the other, which we will discuss tomorrow. After reading so much of this Agada, remember, try to do it, not too fast, but not too slow, because otherwise people will suffer, they're going to be hungry. So you have to just read, say quickly Dvar Torah on each paragraph, and move on. After you wash and you eat and you relax, now you can go reverse and explain of what I'm going to teach tomorrow. After you come to a paragraph, and it's a motion So now we have to take a plastic ball, plastic ball, and break it a little bit. Chip a piece from the top of it, and you put it on the table, and the person that runs the seder, he has the second cup in his hand. So, we come to a part now, ubemoftim adam, kmo venatati moftim And now everybody scream together, dam, you pour a little bit. You have to calculate to pour 13 times. Because you're going to pour now, dam, 
אש ותמרות עשן. Three. And then you continue and you say, those are the ten plagues that Hashem brought on the Egyptians in Egypt. And everybody says, actually it's all together 16 pouring. 16. So you have to do little at the time, not too much. Little by little. So he said, dam, vaesh, vetimrot ashan. Then you continue, those are the ten plagues, everyone together. Dam, tzfardea, kinim, this is blood, frogs, lice, bad animals, devil, all these things that we say, the ten plagues, everyone together. Dam, tzfardea, kinim, arov, devil, shechin, barad, arbe, choshech, makat bechorot. So remember, we had three before, which is Dam, Vaesh, Vetimrot Ashad. Now we have the ten plagues, so that's already thirteen. And then we say, Rabbi Yehuda ya noten baim simanim. Rabbi Yehuda used to say it in abbreviation. Dam, Tzfardea, Akinim, he called it Datsach. Dalet, Tzadik, Chaf, which is Dalet, Dam, right? Tzadik, Tzfardea, Chaf, Kinim. So he turned it into three words. The first letter of each plague, and he turned it into three words. Datsach, Adash, Ba'achab, meaning ten letters all together. So that, that, that's how he used to do it. So we do it according to the custom of Rabbi Yehuda. So how many times? Sixteen. Then you refill the cup. This is only the person who runs the seder. Not everybody has to spill. Only him. You don't have to waste so much wine. The, the, the main part is the symbolic that you just do it. Then you refill your cup or the person that pours for you, and you continue, Rabbi Yosea Glili Omer, and we talk about the ten plagues, how much the Chachamim calculated it, and then we begin to sing. What is the song? Everybody answer, Dayenu. This is the way the tune goes. Dayenu means, it's also enough for us. Dayenu, Dailanu, enough for us. We can complain. And then he sings again. Everybody answer, Dayenu. So after that, we have another part to read, and then the songs that everyone sings together. And in the end, Day, Dayenu, Day, Dayenu, Day, Dayenu, Dayenu, Dayenu. Everybody sings, we're done. Then we continue to read. If you have people in your table that knows how to read Hebrew well, because most people don't know how to read Hebrew well, even Israelis, so you have to make sure it's either Bachurei Shiva or people that are intelligent enough to know how to read. Because I saw over the years that even some people that are doctors, they don't know how to read. And they messed up the entire meaning of the words. Now, that's not a night to mess up the meaning. You want the original meaning. If you, do, if you don't have people that know how to read Hebrew, or people that read Hebrew but don't understand what they say, or people that read Hebrew and understand what they say but they don't know how to read, they make a lot of mistakes, better you read the entire night. If you also don't know how to read, Hashem Yazor, what, what, what else can we do? Tov. Then we get to the point, Rabban Gamliel Aya Omer. Rabban Gamliel used to say, Someone who did not say those three things in Pesach did not fulfill his obligation. Very important part. Those are the ones. Pesach, 
we point to the Pesach. What's Pesach? The little piece of lamb that we have on a, on a, on a, on a round plate. Right? In the Simanim, one of them is a piece of uh, meat. So we pointed it. Pesach. Then Matzah. We pointed the Matzah on a, on a, on a round plate. Umaror. It's also on a plate. Three things. Some people pick it up. You can pick up the lamb, Pesach. Then you pick up the Matzah, Matzah. And then you pick up the Maror, Maror. Then we begin to explain what Pesach, what Matzah, what Maror. Matzazo, why we eat it, Maror, why we eat it. Every generation a person has to look at himself that he came out of Egypt. And then we cover the Matzot. In the Agadot, they have instructions between one paragraph to the paragraph. In small words, pay attention what it says. After you say, you cover the Matzot now. Remember, the entire time until now, the Matzot were open. Now you cover the matzot as preparation for drinking the second cup. So you cover the matzot. Lefichach. This is a part from the Alel that we say in Yom Tov and Rosh Chodesh. Lefichach. Anachnu chayavim leodot, lealel, leshabeach, etc. And Alleluia, Alleluia, Avdei Hashem. Betzet Yisrael mimitzrayim. And we finish Baruch Ata Hashem, Melech HaOlam, Asher Gealanu, that saves us. Vegaal et avotenu mimitzrayim. Ve'igiyanu alayla azeh, and brought us to this night to eat matzah and maror. Same thing, God bring us to holidays and festivals that will come to us with peace, happy in the rebuild of your city, meaning Jerusalem, happy in your, servi in your services, and we will eat sacrifices over there, and the sacrifice of Passover, and we will sing for you for our redemption and for our save, salvation. Baruch Ata Hashem, Gal Israel. Bless you, God, the, 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 the Redeemer of the nation of Israel. Now, again, we go after we make we finish this bracha, Gal Israel. We have to go on the left side with the plate and the glass in one shot. We drink the second cup. We drink the second cup. After that, we do netilat yadayim. This time we wash our hands, but this time we wash the hands with bracha. Asher kideshanu bemitzvotav etzivanu al netilat yadayim. If by mistake, when you wash your hands for the karpas, you made bracha out of instinct, it can happen without thinking, because you're used to it. Touch your shoes, touch your shoes with both hands in the bottom of your shoes, and now you can make bracha. Why? Because if your hands are clean from the first time when you make bracha and you make bracha again, it could be bracha levatala, because your hands are still clean from the first time. One way or the other is good to, to touch the shoes, even if you didn't make bracha, because maybe your hands is still, without the bracha, is still clean. Why I'm doing netila again? Better to touch the shoes just in case. You come. You make bracha al netilat yadayim. And now comes the important part. Remember, now you have three matzot. Three matzot. Three round matzot or three square matzot. So, the one below the other. One, two, three. One on top of the other. You hold all three matzot. After you wash the hands and you do netilat yadayim and you dry your hand, you come back to the table and you sit down. 
you hold the three matzot, every person on a table is holding the three matzot. But only the person that runs the seder will make the brachot. They will, answer, will only answer amen and follow him. You have to be the one, so you have to know what to do. So, this is what you do. You, say, you take the three matzot, right? And you have, remember before, wait, 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 before, no, before, we didn't eat one yet. We just cut it to two halves. Remember, Kadesh Urchatz, Karpas Yachatz. So, before, we broke one matzah to two halves, right? Here, when we picked up the bread, Magbim et Prusata Matzah, we took the middle matzah, and we say, Alachmania, remember this? Right? Now, what we do is like this. We hold the three matzot, and we say like this, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. We drop the bottom matzah. So now we have the top and the middle. And then, we say, after that, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddushanu Mitzvotah Vetzivanu, Al Achilat Matzah. Now, the bottom one that you have, it's half. Right? Because we broke it already to two halves. One half we put on the side for Afikoman, that we will eat later on in the end of the seder. He put it in a Ziploc bed, and everybody will remember where he puts his Afikoman. Because once you break it to two halves, as you follow the instruction, you put half, the bigger half you put in a Ziploc bag or any bag, put it on the side, which you will have to finish the seder by eating it. It's very important, this Afikoman. Some say that's the real achilat matzah from the Torah. The afikoman. That's why you have to put it on the side and eat it when you're still hungry. Don't stuff yourself with food. So now, after you have three matzot, you make you knock down the bottom one. So what do you have now? The top one which is full and the one underneath which is half. Now you make Asher kiddushanu b'mitzvotav etzivanu al achilat matzah. You take the top one, break it to two halves. So now you have one half from the top and one half that you already had from the bottom. Together it's one full, one full round matzah. You have two halves of matzot. You go, everybody has to go to the left side with a plate. And you have to eat within four minutes without talking in between. No talking, no laughing, nothing. If it's hard for you, some people crush it to little pieces and they fill up the mouth. Some people just bite in it, bite more and more and more. Once you ate, you dip it a little bit in the salt and you eat it. I give you one good advice. If you want it to be easy for you to eat, if you have a kosher for Passover stove, that is, you, you made it kosher, you can hold the matzah on a fire. Turn on the fire, few seconds. On each side, it dries the humidity. Because the matzot, they absorb some humidity, they become hard. If you go three, four seconds each side, or five seconds, you just dry it on both sides, five, six seconds on each side, 
it will, once it dries out, it becomes very, very easy to eat. Huh? Why not? It's Yom Tov. Ah, Friday night because it's Shabbat. No, you have to do it before Shabbat, yes. But on, on the second night, after it's already we did the Kiddush and the Avdalah, which is now Yom Tov only, you can do it in the middle. But here you're going to have to do it, you're right, before you actually go to Shul. Before you go to Mincha to pray, you can prepare some matzot and dry them. Maybe first night it doesn't work to do it because until you come back. But the second night you can do it on the spot. Quickly, one, two, three, even without. You just hold it there with your hand. And it dries it, you flip it over, and it's really very easy to eat it. Ashkenazim, they have one minhag different than the Sfaradim. The Sfaradim, the Ashkenazim has a minhag that yesh bishul acharafia. If the bread is already baked, you cannot still put it on a soup or in other way to make it crunchy like a toast. Because even though it's baked already, the Ashkenazim holds that baking it more, it's not allowed on Shabbat. Sfaradim, they do it. But the Ashkenazim, for instance, you're going to see, they don't put croutons in a soup. When you pour soup directly from the bowl that it's on a fire into a plate, it's cliche and they don't, they're not going to put bread pieces inside. So some Ashkenazim, they have different humrot. I'm talking mainly right now based on the way we, the Sfaradim, do. The Ashkenazim, it's a little bit more machmir on that. Same thing with coffee. Sfaradim holds en bishul achar kliya. After roasting, it's roasted already. That's it. The Ashkenazim say, no, you can still cook it after it's roasted. Meaning it's also not allowed. But that's, I don't want to confuse you too much. So I'm telling you the general rules. Okay, now, after we finish to eat all the matzot, now we take the ladders. The maror. Besides the one that you have on the round table, which is for the person who runs the seder, you put next to a plate of every one of your guests two bags with one ounce of ladders in each one of them. Two. One for now, which we're going to make asher kiddushanu v'mitzvotavetzivanu al achilat maror, to eat maror, and you eat it also within four minutes, but without heseva. On a bider, you're not like a king. King doesn't eat bider thing and, and sit like a king. Now it's slave. So you eat it without bending to the left. Once you're done, we're not done yet. How much we have left? We have the top half matzah left. Remember or no? Yeah, now we have to do... We have to... Now, no, we have one matzah from the bottom that we knock down, remember? So we take half of that as well. We take the half and break it to two quarters. So you have three triangles, right? If you have half, half, half of a circle, and then half you cut to two halves, right? So you make a little sandwich. You put the other bag of lettuce inside. You dip it inside some haroset which is similar to the bricks, to the cement that they had. You make a sandwich, and you eat also bending on the, on the left side, Be'eseva. We have to say, before you eat, Matzah u'maror belo bracha. This Matzah and Maror combined, without making a bracha, because we already made bracha on the Matzah, is a memory of the temple that will be renewed soon by our days, 
like Hillel Hazaken, like Hillel, the old person that used to be the president of the, president of the Sanhedrin, that's how he used to eat the matzah and the maror as a sandwich. He, that was his shita, to eat it like this. In one shot, to keep the words of the Torah, al matzot umerorim yochlu. They ate the sacrifice of Pesach with matzah and maror all combined. Now, since we don't have the sacrifice of Pesach, what's left? The matzah and the maror combined. Now, the meal. Serve the food. Don't let the Yetzerara, the Satan is a genius. Now you're going to put ten different plates. This, that, this, lamb, meat, beef, veal. Forget about it. It's not the time to explode your stomach. Because remember, by the time you finish the meal, you have to be at least a third hungry. Why? That when you have to eat the extra matzah that you, have, that you put on the side, you still have appetite for it. That's the afikoman. So what do you do? Now, after we finish the meal, right, we take the afikoman. We don't do birkat amazon yet, because we have to eat the afikoman. So we bring that Ziploc bag with the half of matzah that we have, which has to be at least one ounce. If it's not, take some other matzot to complete it to at least 28, 29 grams, one ounce. Some people eat double than that. The half of the top matzah that left, plus that half to make it 56, 57 grams. Why? It's good. Why? Because some poskim hold that that's the main achilat matzah, the afikoman. If it's hard for you, eat only half a matzah. If it's not hard, eat a full matzah. You have to bend to the left and you eat the afikoman. And you have to say, Zecher le korban Pesach, anechal ala sova. As a memory of the sacrifice of Passover that was eaten when we already full. Full, but not exploding. You remember the difference, right? It's called, you have to know one thing, it's called achila gasa. This expression, achila gasa, means when you're already stuffed. When you're stuffed, you don't enjoy the food. You suffer from the food. That's not eating. Eating means has to have pleasure. If you're exploding, you don't enjoy. You don't enjoy, it's not considered eating. It's not considered eating, you're not fulfilling the mitzvah. You have to be very careful. Now, after we finish the afikoman, the afikoman now we do birkat amazon. We do maim achronim, and we do on a third cup. We fill up the third cup, in Birkat Amazon, we hold the cup and we say the full Birkat Amazon. When we finish Birkat Amazon, the blessing of the food, right? We come to the end of it. We bend to the left again with the cup. Now it's the third cup, remember. We drink it in one shot. The second cup, we don't make a blessing because we made on the first cup in a Kiddush, Bore Priyagefen. That includes already the second cup. But you have to have in mind, when we bless on the first glass, it's included already the second. Once we do Birkat Amazon, once you do Birkat Amazon, all the food until now is dismissed. A second after Birkat Amazon, you want to eat something new, you have to make a new bracha because Birkat Amazon finished everything. So now you want to drink the wine. 
So what do you do? You fill up the third cup, and Baruch Ata Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Bore Priya Gefen. When you bend to the left, you drink the third cup. So, Baruch Hashem, three of the four is gone. Now, you rinse it, and you fill up the fourth cup immediately. You hold the fourth cup, and you begin to say the rest of the Alel. Some of the Alel we said before, remember? Betzet Yisrael in Mitzrayim. Now, another part of the Alel. Alel is the praising of Hashem that we say on Rosh Chodesh, and we say on Yom Tov in the Shul, after Tfilat Shmona Yisrael. So we continue. Have revenge against the Gentiles who did not know you. Meaning the wicked Gentiles, not the righteous one. The righteous Gentiles, they have a share to the world to come and they go to heaven. And there's no permission to hurt them or to speak against them or anything like that. Because they are not idol worshippers and they're not wicked. They're only Gentiles. They're not Jewish, but they're righteous Gentiles. Some of them can be very righteous. Every time the Torah speaks negatively against the Goyim, remember, it's only wicked Goyim that are idol worshippers. Mainly idol. That's why they call them in the Gemara Akum. Akum is abbreviation. Ayn, Chaf, Vav, Mem, Ayn, Oved, Chaf, Kochavim, Umazalot. Person who bowed down to the stars and to other Things that is nothing but Hashem. You know, it has nothing to do with Hashem. One person bowed down to a tree. One person worshipped JC. Another person worshipped the moon. Every one of these goyim have their own idols. Those are the wicked goyim that the Torah speaks negative against them. Every time you see the Torah speak positive about the goyim, it's obviously the goyim that are not idol worshippers. Because everyone that is an idol worshipper, whether he's a goy, whether he's a Jew, is obligated to receive that penalty. Someone that has to be put to death is not a righteous person. The Torah will never praise someone that is chayav mitah, has to be executed. The Torah will never speak derogatory against anyone when he's righteous, whether he's a Jew, whether he's a non-Jew. So over here, I don't want you to make mistakes and think that the Torah speaks generally against the Goyim. It's not true. Only against those idol worshippers who tortured us in the last 3,300 years. You understand? All these Egyptians and the Romans and the Greeks and all those people. It's time to throw your anger to those Goyim that do not know you, meaning they don't follow your instructions. They go to kill the Jews, they destroy the temple, they did a lot of bad things. And you continue all this, all this Hallel, and once we sing together all the songs, Hashem Kitov, Ana Hashem Oshiana, right? And we come to the end of the Hallel, Baruch Ata Hashem, Melech Meulal Batishbachot. And what do we do? We drink now the fourth cup of wine. We finish the fourth cup of wine. Once we finish the fourth cup of wine, what do we have? Bracha Achrona Ala Gefen Valpriya Gefen. We have to make a blessing after drinking the wine. So we make Ala Gefen Valpriya Gefen. Okay. Baruch Ata Hashem Ala Aretz Valpriya Gefen. Now, we basically finish the main parts of the Seder. Since we have five minutes left, what do we do after that? We sing Chagadia. 
חגדיה, 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 חגדיה. This is very interesting song with lots of depth in it. That, you know, there was one, uh, one goat that my father bought in the market for two coins of, uh, of, of two coins, for two coins, and the cat came and ate the, the goat. And the, and the dog came and uh, beat the, the cat. And, all, and the stick came and hit the dog. This is very interesting with secrets. We're going to have time tomorrow in my lecture in Brooklyn. I will explain the meaning of this song. After that is the famous song, Echad Mi Odea. We go from 1 to 13. Echad Mi Odea. Echad Ani Odea. So what does it mean? Echad, who knows? One I know, one God, the God of heaven and the God of earth. Two, who knows? Two I know. What is it? Two tablets, the tablets, the commandments. And then three, three fathers, four, four mothers, five, five books of Moses, six, six orders of the Mishnah, all the way to 13. Beautiful song. I will explain that as well tomorrow if I have time, if not on the next lecture. After we finish this song, is a very good sgula to say Shira Shirim, the song of song. The Ashkenazim, they have a nice minag. Every holiday they read a different scroll, different Megillah, like Ruth in Shavuot. If they have a kosher Megillah on a parchment, like Sefer Torah, they even make brachot. In Purim, we read Megillat Esther. In Shavuot, Megillat Ruth. In uh, Pesach, Shira Shirim. All these songs. We, the Sfaradim, we read the Megillat Ruth at the night, when we learn all night, without brachot. We read it from the Chumash, from the thing. Here, Shira Shirim, we read after Lela Seder. Why we read Shira Shirim? The Gemara says, all the songs of the Bible are all holy. Shira Shirim is the holiest of holiest. Why? All the songs in the Torah and in the Tanakh, they have the pshat, the way to understand the songs, and they have their secrets, Kabbalistic, mystical explanation. So you have the normal, regular explanation, the meaning of the words. Then you have all the secrets of it. There are two channels how to learn it. Pshat and Sod. Shira Shirim, the song of songs, is so holy and so deep that even the Pshat, even the simple way to translate it, it's all holy. Meaning it's all secret. It doesn't have a simple understanding. Even the simple understanding, it's all secret. That's why it's a very high-level song, Shira Shirim. King Solomon wrote it. It's a parable and a love song between God to the Jewish people. Shira Shirim, all this. Dodi, every time he said Dodi, he's talking about Hashem. Dodi Arad Legano. All these things. Bati Legani, Achoti Kala, all this expression. There's a lot of good books about it, explaining all the secrets of it. If one day you have time, you read it. We finish by Shira Shirim. Now, I know Persians, Bukharians, they must have tea. 
try not to have tea and not coffee and not anything after the seder and not coca-cola you want to have the taste of the matzah and the wine left in your mouth until the morning when you go to sleep that's it that's the main thing you keep it if you are much very very thirsty because of the singing and all that you can drink water drink water no problem then, of course, in the morning we go to shul, we make alel after the tefillah, we have special reading for Shabbat and Pesach, and the next day for Pesach as well. And, Bezrat Hashem, time ran out. Tomorrow, I'm going to explain all the meanings of the words of the Divrei Torah of the Agadah. As you saw today, I explained all the technical laws and rules. What to do, how to do, when to do, which is very important. Without it, you mess up everything. Tomorrow, I'm going to explain every paragraph, why it's in Agadah, what does it mean, when was it written, why it was written. Hopefully, we'll be able to finish. If not, it will be another lecture explaining. Any questions so far about everything we learned tonight? In general, before the Seder, after the Seder, cancellation of the Chametz, the Four Cups. That's the main thing of Pesach, the eating of the matzah and the four cups of wine. So that you don't want to have in your mouth Coca-Cola taste. This you have all here. What's special tonight? The matzah and the wine. You understand? So the idea is to stay with that as long as possible. Because that's the main thing tonight. If you cannot drink wine, you can drink only grape juice. Some people that have diabetes, they cannot drink, uh, they have special wine without, and special grape juice, I think, without sugar, or less sugar, or low sugar. Everyone according to his limitation, what can we do? Any more questions? We have, not, we remember, we have two full matzot and one half one. Okay, so after we make bracha, Right, we knock down the bottom matzah. Soon you're gonna know why. Because we, I tell you why. Because if you're still holding it, you already made bracha Right, so you knock down this matzah down. Now you're gonna make al achilat matzah, but you're not eating the lower matzah. You're only eating from the top too. So you don't want to hold it if you're not eating from it. So you're holding it the top and the and the and the one and a half. You make Asher Kedishana Mitzvotah Vetzivanu Al Achilat Matzah. You cut half of the top, because the top is full. You cut half, and you already have, have half from the middle. And the entire two halves you eat in four minutes when you lean to the left. Instead, now you take half from the bottom, from the bottom, cut, cut the full one that you knock down, cut it to two halves, take one half, cut it to two quarters, Put the ladders and the haroset and eat again like a sandwich. All the Agadot have instructions in between paragraph to paragraph what to do. Cover the matzot, uncover the matzot, pour second cup. Pay attention to the instruction of the Agadot, whether they're in Hebrew, whether they're in English. If your children do not understand Hebrew, you have to explain to them all the Agadah in English, or in Russian, or in Persian, or in Arabic. In any language that the people understand. You read it in Hebrew, 
but you explain it in the language that people understand. That's the main thing. Women also must hear the story of the Agada. They cannot be buried in a kitchen. You understand? That's why I said don't serve too much food, don't kill yourself. One dish, one dish. Rice and chicken, rice and meat, that's it. Or potatoes and meat, don't kill yourself. Why? It's plenty of food regardless of this, with all these matzot and the ladders and the drinking. Believe me, the stomach explodes. The more you are in the kitchen, the more you lose the story of the exodus of Egypt. Women participated in the exodus of Egypt. Understand? Okay. I told you what's the right way to do it. The food can be eaten tomorrow morning. After shachrit, eat as much as you want. But in the night, it's not the time now to eat too much because we have to focus on the matzah and the wine. The kids, the kids is the priority. Chacham enaf berosho. Smart person do not invite guests that do, and the kids and the guests have two different languages. Why? Because if you explain to the kids, the guests will feel neglected. If you want to satisfy the guests, the kids will be neglected. Make sure if your kid speaks only English, that the guests are speaking English. You understand? And if your kids understand Hebrew, then you can have guests that understand Hebrew. If your kids understand Russian, brings Russian-speaking people. If there's no other way, so you're going to have to do it twice. Explain one in one language, and then explain in another language, which will take you an extra hour, at least an extra hour. That's it. That's if you don't have any other choice. You have to explain everything in English. Everything. The whole point is the, uh, the, to understand what the meaning of the words of the Agada. They just read and they don't understand what they say. You understand? I give you an example. Persian people can read Arabic. It's the same alphabet, but they don't understand what they say. So imagine all night they will read Arabic and they don't understand a word of what they say. What good is that? They don't even know about the Exodus of Egypt. You understand the idea? A lot of Americans, they read Hebrew, but they don't understand Hebrew. They don't understand. They need the art scroll in English to explain to them. So they are Agadot with explanation in English. If they are adults, you give them Agadah. One side Hebrew, one side English. Let them read the English on their own. You focus on your children. More questions? Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. We have enough for...